0: Hey, y'all. I'm Jimmy Carroll, and you probably know me from MTV's longest running show, The Challenge. Buckle up and get ready for this unfiltered podcast because I'm covering everything from my time on MTV to pop culture to what happens when you stop being polite and start getting real. Listen to Just Jim wherever you get your podcast.
1: What I need for the start of this show, um, and Emma, this is up to you or Dante. It's up to anyone but me. I need a Rocky score or a thank uh, you by Alanis Morissette. I need uh, Eye of the Tiger. I need something big and rousing because it has happened. Rana is going to eat Raw Pew, pew, pew.
2: Pew, 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 pew. Are those laser beams?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
2: Honestly, Rana,
1: if I were a bikini Ugh. model any longer, which of course sure. you know I'm not.
2: Still a bikini model.
1: I would get a big card like yeah. they do at the wrestling matches and I would yeah. walk by and it would say Raw Rana time because we have achieved the goal. Rana's going to beat Raw Ramen.
2: I can't really. How are you feeling, Rana? I can't. You feel like a winner? Do I feel like a winner? No, I'm the only loser in this equation, obviously, dear.
1: I'm Not the true. one that's going to
2: have to crunch, crunch, crunch. And I already know just how it's going to feel stuck in my teeth. Does it get stuck in your teeth?
1: No, for me, it's okay. But I don't mind if my teeth get ground to nothing. I like the crunch, crunch, crunch. But yeah. Rana, what I was going to tell you is, do you know how you're going to eat it yet? Are you going to do use seasoning or are you going to go protein style?
2: I'm going to have Tony. Now, okay. I don't know if people know this. Tony speaks Korean. Did you know that?
1: He's a big screen?
2: He speaks Korean.
1: I thought you said he was a big screen. Yes, I did know he spoke Korean. He's a big screen. But I only just found out this week.
2: He's a big screen hot throb, but he also he speaks is. Korean. Tony, I'm going to have him go down to the Korean grosses for me. Okay. And pick up a couple of different kinds of, he can probably get it in Lynn.
1: Okay, he's, he, he's got to get a cheap kind He's get uh, a oh, cheap don't kind. worry,
2: Tony's not going to spend any extra money. That's not Tony's style. Okay, good. Yeah, if there's a cheap kind to be had, Tony and Tony will know the brands too. He'll do a little research, and I I, I can already hear the people screaming. Ramen's not Korean, Rana. It's Japanese. Yes, I know, dear. I was about to say. I Thank think... you very much. But okay, the but Asian prefer... grocery, shall we say, okay. tends to carry uh all these different snacks from and and Got actually it. we've had so many lettuce we ate this in taiwan we ate this in seoul we you know we've had lettuce from all over but
1: the no place. going into ipoto ramen which is delicious and asking for their for like a dry ramen pack it's not happening there
2: what's ipoto ramen
1: they have it in Japan. They have it in San Francisco, and they just opened it before the pandemic in l a. So I don't know if it's like Tokyo, San Francisco, and they
2: might have it in Boston.
1: i I don't yeah. know or not whether or not yeah. they have it in l a.
2: yeah,
1: and i don't I don't know if they have. I doubt they have it in Boston, but they well, may shouldn't or may not have say it that in you San
2: make San Boston South. sound like it's a second class city, when you say? I don't think like that.
1: that at all, Ron. I would probably It's a world class
2: city, Brian. this is where I they agree. invented that robot dog that they're using now for law enforcement.
1: Excuse oh, really? Me. They invented it right in Boston?
2: Yeah. Boston oh, Dynamics. Great. Sure. Yeah, very that so- city. We're so proud. We're so proud. I'm proud. Yeah. I think that robot dog is terrifying, I have to say. Yeah. Me now, too. We have, all right, so yes, I'm going to eat the raw ramen. We will broadcast it to the world. I will let everyone know when it's happening. It's either going to be on a live or it's going to be a video or something, but it'll be for everybody. It won't just be for the Patreons. Even though the Patreons are the ones that got to 2,600, they're the ones who who got there. They're the ones who got
1: there. That's true. They deserve a private
2: show, but they're not going to get one right now. Right. Uh, So we're going to do that. We have an incredible guest today. And Speaking I want to of, just
1: say again, Rana, no gussying with the ramen.
2: What does that mean?
1: You can only use up to the flavor packet. You can either eat it protein style, which means you don't use the flavor packet. packet okay. Or you can use the flavor packet, but no cooking it, Rana. Oh, we said raw. And no um, putting some sort of what Harissa or whatever.
2: Okay. Here's what, well, you know, someone sent us a uh, image the other day. Somebody was making some sort of disgusting but now everybody thinks I'm interested in ramen. I'm not. But they were making a ramen sandwich, with a peanut butter and ramen sandwich.
1: That sounds delicious, but that you can't oh, eat it like that, Rana.
2: You are just like those people who thought they invented their own sa- exciting sandwiches. Which, I am. which is peanut sauce on bread, as all those sandwiches were.
1: So good. Uh
2: In any event, we have crossing over from the Patreon today, Cynthia Dupree Sweeney, and I can't wait. We're going to get to that in a second. Her book, by the way, and what they call, I never had even heard of this till last week, an instant New York Times bestseller.
1: I saw that on her, on, you're talking about uh the Nestor, because also it said good company good company i know the Nestor like might be too,
2: because she's because the, it's out in paperback now so i don't yeah, know i
1: saw something about instant new york times bestseller and I, yes. that, I mean how does it get better than that
2: apparently this is also an instant new york times bestseller. i know
1: so debuted i think like what that means four?
2: yes i think Unbelievable. that what that means is the first week it comes out it goes to it goes to Top 10 or whatever. So mm-hmm. I don't know. She can tell us if we wanted to. But we have some fabulous reviews here. We've been very remiss reading our reviews and we have to read them because if we're going to beg people to write reviews, if we're going right, to beg yeah. people to star us, five stars only, five stars only. That's and it. we're going to beg people to subscribe, which is so important to the show. We got to yep. read the reviews.
1: Yeah. So, okay. so let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. We got a review from uh emmy one one she spelled out one and then put a number one okay hilarious and beneficial i'm not sure whether to be pleased or disappointed by the fact that at this point in my life i do not have a question worthy of this podcast love brian and rana they've introduced me to some great folks via their lineup of amazing guests i've grown bored of many of my old favorite podcasts during the last year but this is not one of them And then totally not Batman says the most comforting podcast. Totally
2: not Batman.
1: Bruce Wayne. (laughs) I wish. I'm not married. Yeah. I'm available, Bruce. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Who do you think was the best Batman? For you. I mean,
1: I got to tell you, Michael Keaton. Really? I loved him in that role. Huh. I'm not. I have to be honest with you. I've never been like Christian Bale, such an incredible actor. Yeah. I've never been like attracted to him or anything. And Michael Keaton's such a weirdo that like I find something very attractive
2: about. Yeah, him. he does have something. Michael Kane. Too bad you didn't watch Trial of the Chicago Seven. He of the Seven Wigs. He's got a. He's, he's got one a of the, cameo wigs, isn't he? in the No, he's not one of the wigs, but he has a cameo as a, a wig. A okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Great. <laughs> So Totally Not Batman says, takes me back to my childhood of listening to my ba- Bostonian aunts and uncles gossip. Five stars. That sounds fun, actually. And then, Ronna, do you want to read this last one? Or did you like me to keep going? No, I like it when you read. I knew you did. Kath M 3 <laughs> says, transcends regional rivalries. Oh. As a proud, lifelong South Shore resident... I was initially reluctant to listen to a pod hosted by a North Shore, sh- a North Shore duo, Rana. I love that I'm like a North Shorean now.
2: Yeah, you a North Shore duo, but I mean, really, this person, how Excuse- provincial can you be?
1: Excuse me, but I'm so glad that I gave this fabulous pod a chance. Yeah, I've been devouring every episode like the first time I had Kelly's roast beef, oh. or an Ipswich fried clam. Oh. Rana and Brian have the wisdom wit, and heart that I didn't know was possible on the North Shore. Wow, kiss kiss from Braintree, Mass. I have a good friend from Braintree.
2: Calling Braintree the South Shore is pushing it. I just want you to know that this per this yeah. They're not. I mean, of course, it is South, but they're not living seaside the way we are. Got it. So that's sort of what's going on there. But it made me want that letter, just made me want an Ipswich fried clam. Absolutely. I would so love we, sh- one. we should go up to Woodman's and get some clams. Maybe we'll do a clam bake to celebrate. Okay. We'll do a clam bake in my yard to celebrate coming out of uh, lockdown, et cetera.
1: That's a great, you know, who would be obviously perfect at that table?
2: Uh, Ina Garten.
1: Sure, but also who would obviously be perfect at that? Oh, table, Cynthia!
2: He, but I don't know how she's going to get there. No, no, I no, mean, that's no. far.
1: Someone we who could deals probably in invite shellfish.
2: Yeah. yeah. Oh, the Doug Dougie from Shoebies.
1: Yeah, that's I a didn't... great
2: idea because he's always no. serving the community. Why shouldn't we serve him for a change? I love that idea. We'll get Dougie just... from Shoebies. Okay. I love it.
1: Okay, I was yeah. just in Shoebies this morning, Ron. I got an iced vanilla latte, but only one pump. And I said, almond but milk. you can't and they gave go me-
2: too, many, too many pumps out of vanilla latte. And
1: they, I told them almond milk and they said, we think you'll like oat milk better, as if I had never tried it. And so I felt bad. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. And then I had to pretend that it was my first time trying oat milk and, and how much I loved
2: what it. What was your performance like?
1: Okay, I'll show you. <laughs> so they gave me this.
2: Well, how about oh, they think oat milk's just catching on?
1: Apparently, because they yeah. were like- Oh no! You want you know you want it. you gotta you better try oat milk. And they were like, "It's a quarter more, but it's worth every quarter." Did you happen I, to
2: notice what brand it was? It Oatly or was it Califia? Califia, the, Califia, yeah, yeah.
1: Califia. Because I saw her on the cover.
2: You know, yeah. Oatly did that commercial in the Super Bowl, and I thought, "Oh, is this guy kidding?" In the middle of the commercial, and then it went on just long enough that I ended up enjoying it.
1: Well, Oatly, by popular opinion, I think is considered the like the number one. That's the yeah.
2: creamiest, yeah,
1: the cre- and the most natural, I guess. Huh. both yeah. but anyway this was the caliphia and so we handed so this is what i did i took a sip and i was like oh my god you're right this is like so creamy this is, <laughs> tastes like real cream and he was like i know <laughs> yeah oh I you did, the did a whole, whole fucking whole performance.
2: performance and how much did you regret regret not getting the almond
1: I wanted it immediately because, and I'll tell you why. Because this is so crazy, brain. But almond is a little lower in calories, and I, since I was getting the vanilla pump, I was like, that's "No, why I'm almond,
2: the almond is more fattening and It's, more, it's higher it, in calories. Oh, it and is higher in fat and higher in uh, sugar content. Usually depends on the depends on the. Oh,
1: I always thought it was lower.
2: Oh, sorry. Oat is all of those things that I oat just is mentioned. higher.
1: Yeah, that's yes. why I wanted the almond because I was getting yeah. the vanilla pump. Do you know what I mean?
2: The thing with oat is you may as well have cream. Because oh, cause cream has right. no sugar. Yeah. But exactly. I do think oat tastes very good in an iced latte.
1: There's that great line in Cynthia's book when one of these LA kids says to her parent, at this point in your life, milk is basically poison.
2: Yeah. I love that. It is terrific. There's You're a, at the
1: age where milk is poison.
2: There's a lot of great, it's so, there's a lot of great uh, sort of, I won't call it snack because it isn't snack, but no. observations.
1: Observations. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's no a judgment lot of behind observational it. Observational like, humor. This the is book it. is funny. It's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And that, well, I'll tell her. But yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. We'll have so to funny. tell her.
2: We'll have to tell her. I loved it so
1: much, but we'll tell her.
2: All right. We should right, get Rana. to it. And we want to remind people you're talking about coffee all day that they should order their Ask Rana coffee. That's
1: absolutely right, Rana. I asked Shubies if they wanted to carry it. Yeah. And they said, well, we'll need to talk to Rana. And I said, you know, I'm sort of doing this back end. I shouldn't even be talking about this.
2: No, it doesn't sound like you should.
1: Okay. Yeah. I won't talk about it because I was sort of trying to do my own kind of black.
2: Market, yeah, yeah. But
1: just because it might even things out in other areas. But yeah, you're right. I'm not going to talk
2: about Yeah, that. even things out in other areas. I'm excited to get into that conversation.
1: Askronacoffee.com, $20 a bag, <laughs> $17 if you get the duo, free shipping. I was trying to sell it at Shuby's for $60. But, um, $70 t-
2: if you get the subscription, always free shipping.
1: Seventeen, Rana.
2: Yeah, 70 dollars. 70, oh, 70. $70. $70. We just raised the prices, seventy dollars. <laughs>
1: Dramatically, <laughs> fourfold.
2: Uh, yeah. So there it is. All right. Without further ado, I'm so excited, and I have to say, from judging from my Instagram and the letters we've been getting, a lot of people have been have bought the book and have been loving the book, and it makes I me so happy. I'm so excited to see how how well received
1: it's been. Everyone's been reading it. Everyone's been reading it. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to this two-time New York yeah. Times bestselling author.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I forgot to remind people that if yeah. they join us on Patreon, if they're already subscribed to Patreon, or if they join us on Patreon, we posted our Oscars wrap-up, our exclusive Oscars wrap-up. We posted it Monday. Yeah. And so that's yesterday in the world of this universe where these Correct. people are listening. Yep. Or it's it's at least Monday. Uh and so people should check that out. We had such an animated and excited conversation. And that so is so fun to recap exclusive that, to Patreon. Patreon.com slash ask Rana. So
1: yep. No right. better
2: time to join if you've been thinking about it.
1: We were invigorated. We were offended. We were happy. We, we were
2: all the vigilant, feels. All the, the feels. Yeah. That's right. All right, deal. Without further ado. So download the free Anka app now, or go to Anka to get started today. Kiss kiss. Brian, Rana, I can't believe the day is here. I have we to have say,
1: crossed <laughs> Jordan. This has been the most anticipated day. I'm not kidding. In Ask Rana history,
2: that's I, I would say to up to now. That's absolutely correct.
1: Yep, this has been with the most buildup of a guest we've ever had, and with good reason because we've never had. A two-time excuse me. New York Times, excuse
2: me, best
1: <laughs> instant. I think best you. I think you mean
2: instant author. bestseller.
1: Instant bestseller times two. Just like instant soup. Instant. Although oh, you know what, I'm going to say. A little better than Instant Soup.
2: <laughs> chicken, well, this is the chicken- And it takes and, a lot
1: more time to the write a book, I assume.
2: This is the chicken and staz. That's right, it's I know.
0: the chicken and stas of instant bestsellers. You know what, I think that's what bothers me about that instant. Like, it's such a weird publishing term. Right. But also, it's just like- um because just took years so of work for you long
3: to write a book. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of those overnight, right. yeah, a twenty-year overnight sensation. Yeah, as
1: yes, exa- it. exactly. Yeah. An overnight. Where did she come from? It. She. You know. It's, it is ridiculous.
2: Does yeah. instant mean you go to the top of the chats in your first week? Is that what? That no, means? it means you debut on the bestseller
0: list the first week. Got it. Yes,
1: that so, sounded like the same thing. Yeah, that
0: was more yeah. or less what I said. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I thought you yeah. meant
1: yeah. Well, top
2: uh, that, of the. Is it,
0: that like, this is I wasn't be. number one. That's what I thought you were asking.
1: I have to tell you, I yeah. loved this book so much. I read it basically in a night. Stayed up so late yes. finishing it. I couldn't put it down. It's so moving. It's also as Ron and I were saying before. It's so funny. Your observations in this oh, of good. we were talking about the line of um, uh, at your age the, milk about, is basically poison. I died.
0: Wait, about the what? I'm sorry.
1: At, at your age, milk is basically poison or something. Oh, right, with one right, of the right, right, right. Yes. so <laughs> <Yes>. good, and <laughs> yes. then also the way you nailed this, I couldn't get over. I bet it like ten times because I was like, no one has ever hit it like this. When you talked about all those guys standing up and doing lines from American oh. Buffalo and calling <laughs> oh. that, I truly wanted to jump out of my skin and my chair because I was like, no one has ever put it that way well, talking about theater credit men.
0: where credit is due you know who told me that story adam O'Byrne.
1: is that true Re-
0: the producer didn't... of this podcast that's correct i i i i and dined adam O'Byrne and asked him to talk to me about being in the theater and he didn't i mean he didn't put it exactly that way but he just talked about how if you get a, p- a group of people together who have been in, like, a mammoth play, they'll start firing off lines to each other. Yeah. So I just thought that was a funny thing to put you in there. You nailed
1: it. Oh,
2: this book, I texted Cynthia when I was in the middle of reading this book, and I said, I felt like this book has been written di- just distinctly for me to enjoy.
1: I felt the same way.
2: <laughs> I felt the same way. It just... Like- It was such a I did. I wrote it for both of you. (laughs) Well, I noticed Brian wasn't in the acknowledgements, and I did want to bring that up, Cynthia, but I don't know if it went to press before you started in the in the
1: character. No, it's it's okay. It's okay. I mean, I um I'm sure like the next book will be called Brian or something like that.
2: (laughs) It's gonna be dedicated to you. Okay, good. (laughs) So (laughs) I didn't want to, you know, understanding. You don't want to be acknowledged when you could be dedicated to I did I I did see some
1: names in there that I recognized though, and I was like, How the hell did they get in this thing? I was so well,
2: mad. Well, there was half the carriage house was in this book. In the no kidding, book, but I I'm so upset about it. This book was, to use a carriage house phrase, absolutely scrumptious. On, it was like a scrumptious, okay. scrumptious, read. scrumptious, and it was scrumptious you. I didn't. I understood somebody wrote. We have a couple of questions and comments, but somebody wrote to us, and I've said I've already repeated this a couple of times, but I don't mind. I'm going to repeat it again. Erin Bagwell, who's a longtime listener of The Carriage, she's in both, she's a CHIP and she's on the free page. Mm-hmm.
1: Is she related to Oliver Cromwell?
2: I'm certain of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she said, I just got good company and it's so good, I'm struggling not to consume it in one sitting and really trying to savor it by reading a little each day. And I don't know how she could have possibly achieved that because it just... You wanted to devour every piece of it, but you knew, you almost, it was that sort of thing where you thought, if I eat all of this, it'll be gone. And so you had to try and pace yourself. And it was so well observed. Oh, my God. And I don't know how you pulled this off, but the book is not, it's funny, it's sharp, it's well observed, but it's not judgmental. And I don't know how you pulled that off. It's not
1: sarcastic. It's not you know, you're not shitty with these observations. It literally just feels like you're yeah. making very specific well, observations. I think
0: um, cynicism in a book is my least favorite quality. Yeah. I, I don't want to read a book where the author seems to have contempt for the people um, they're writing about. And yeah. so, I mean, sometimes that works. I, you know, sometimes it's like in heavy satire or like in a truly comic, sure. raucous novel, you know. Yeah. But... Um, I think that when you don't love your characters, it they don't feel real. They just feel like types. So And particularly I have to genuinely the, love them.
2: Yeah, and particularly the men, because it would have been easy to just decide because to me, maybe I I'd be curious how Brian felt, but there's a very strong female current that runs through this book. Right. You know, the the primary relationships uh, between the two best friends, and and then everyone is triangulated around the daughter. So mm-hmm. there's this sort of uh, necessary female current, and sometimes what can happen is that that becomes a little clicky and a little coveny, and that men find themselves on the outside of that arrangement. There, I loved that there were shifting alliances within this core group, that everybody had a connection in some way to another. I'm, honestly, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. <laughs> had a The book brought me to tears a couple of times. Me
1: too. There were a few times I got really, really misty eyed.
2: Yeah, and I was surprised by the, there were moments where I thought, "Huh, me too. what's, what's that she, making me how cry How about for, when yeah. she describes Just
1: is. the perfect, when they go to dinner for the first time, the yes. four of them, mm-hmm. and that perfect, I'm getting chills, that perfect night in New York it just truly, and then the way you describe the magic of living in New York and the hell of living in New York. Now I'm crying. And when <laughs> truly <laughs> and when
2: I want to be, I want to be 28 in New York. City honestly, again. <laughs> it just made me
1: so wistful. And also that idea of like truly. Well, when you leave, you can never really go back. Right. It's not just, it's just not gonna be the same. Right. It was so beautiful and so right on. And also. You know how um, when you're born, an angel kisses you on the top of your lip, and that's why you have that indent—Cupid's
2: bow. <laughs> yes,
1: right. Okay, so
2: <laughs> yes, sim- so of course, everyone knows that. <laughs> okay,
1: so similar hey, you mean to that, but
2: after before the stork drops you off. <laughs> Correct, and you know how every time, every time you have
1: exactly (laughs) that. Every time you have, and then someone tattoos their name on your butt right after.
2: Yes, only Xavier Roberts. Only Xavier. Every time with every child.
1: But (laughs) you know how they say when you learn something new, you you uh, get a wrinkle in your brain, which I don't think is true, but they've said it. Oh,
2: I've never heard that. I've never
1: heard heard that. Because I think it's I think it's like the angel kissing. Well, Cynthia doesn't go into those things (laughs) in this book, but I will say you did give me a couple of brain wrinkles in that and I don't want to give away too much of the plot but just it's been so long and you did this with The Nest too where you go through each character's perspective and you genuinely love them and understand them and are angry with them but it's because it's something you would do. The way Margot ultimately handles Mm. what happened with Flora and her husband is something I would have done. I would have handled it the same way. And then the way you lay it out is devastating in terms of what it sounds like, what she recognizes the deal was there. And it just was like, it was just such a sinking feeling I had. It was just incredible, Cynthia. But to
2: that exact point, it's also so informative about human relationships and the fact that at our essence we're all narcissists of course and that our experience is our experience and that and that in a way when flora and uh margot have their conversation i'll just say you completely understand both of their points of view and and there's something to me anyway maybe it was supposed to be I should have taken it as more positive. Uh, They're on the road to reconciliation. Mm. But there's something so tragic about that everyone has to live their own experience in this world. And that the people that are most precious to us will almost always disappoint us because those two things can never completely line up. They line up for as long as they line up. right? But you still have to make the decisions that suit your existence. And put into the whole context of the book I mean, even the husband you can sort of understand, but it—it's just real. That's what I mean about the lack of judgment. It's so interesting. Just these are lives observed, and these are things that happen all of the time.
1: And also this idea of like a fluid identity—the way how what your identity is to yourself in relationships and how it changes—was just. It was so beautiful. I wish I had a question for you and not just a thousand compliments because I just loved it truly so much. Well, thank
0: you. That means a lot to me. It It doesn't sound like it
2: does. It really, really means a lot to me. <laughs> <laughs> I have one question, and then yes. we have a couple questions here, okay. but we'll do them quickly. And then we have this is really not what the show is okay. for, to be yes. honest with you. Uh, well, this just is an advice show. Listen, so I'm, it's I'm, not I'm, really I'm a book show. Long-time <laughs> listener, first time, first time uh, free feed. Correct. Is there is there anything? Obviously, you've been doing press and for the book in the in the last few weeks and and reviews and this and that have come out of course and it's so exciting excuse me jenna hager picked it for her uh mm, right. jenna bush
1: for the today her, show for yeah the today
2: show uh which is incredible um because she has that that book club that competes with our book club of course
1: yeah, uh, you're right. We are in direct competition with it. No <laughs> doubt about
2: it. Well, I don't know. She has 2,000 listeners, but- You're uh, right, you You're right. Uh, like we do on Patreon, yeah. 2600. I'm going to have to eat raw ramen this week. That's
1: right. Um,
2: but I wondered if there's anything that you has been repeatedly misunderstood mm. that you wish you think you think, oh, no, that's not the point I was trying to make. I was trying to say this. But I just wondered um, if there was I anything that fell in that category.
0: You know, I don't, I I will say, I don't think this, I don't think that when you get into conversation with someone, this is a misunderstood point, but the little recap of the book appears in a lot of places as like two Hollywood marriages under duress. And I, that just, to me, like shows how the media is obsessed with like Hollywood. yeah, like they just need to put that in there because that's not really what the book is about. And, um, but I think I think that, um mostly when I hear people or when people ask me questions about the book, I'm just curious about what they took away from it. So I don't and sometimes it's things i haven't thought of and and i think oh that's interesting and um but i you know the weird thing is i'm not out on book tour so i'm not talking to people like i normally would be yeah. and and so there hasn't been a lot of that unfortunately i've missed it
1: someone yeah. did write in and ask which i think she's an aspiring novelist and i i think it's a good question of just when you because obviously so much of this book is um in flashback, I guess mm-hmm. is the right word. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. a lot of it is obviously happening now. Um, d- when you craft these characters, do you start – I think that her exact question was like, do you start with the backstories before you plot the novel? She said um, – Or do you develop the plot and then write the flashbacks when you reach that point in the novel writing process?
0: I wish I had a system. <laughs> right. But- <laughs> Um, generally I just try and write the first 40 to 50 pages without, uh, questioning the story and, um, you know, flashbacks are, are, I don't like to use a lot of them, even though this book has a lot of them. It was very important to me that if they were there, that they were necessary. So, um, I I I just I felt like I needed to write the character's backstory at some point. When I was writing a character, I sort of need to understand. I, I need to understand where I, they're coming from.
2: Not all of that stuff made it into the book. A lot of it got cut out. Okay. Is there another? I feel that there must be another terminology to describe that because flashback makes it sound like you flash straight to the moment of when something happened. But right. really, what it is is you you return to the time in their lives when that, when the thing happened right. that in the inciting incident that influenced the moment of the present. Right. So I, cause I don't want to make it sound like it's trite, you know, like it right. happens no, I so mean, quickly.
0: The book goes back and forth in time in in the lives of these characters, just so you see them when they first met and you, you know, you see them um, at various points in the past, I I would say most of the book takes place in the present of the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With We we drop into, um, you know, moments when they met and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, but, you know, everyone in terms of like how you approach writing a character, it's really what feels good for you. Um, I know a lot of writers who do a lot of character work and I don't do that. I can't. I kind of can't write the people outside of the book. Um, so. But you
1: write them so honestly, like like even with the character of Margot, and again, I don't want to give too much away, even though I think this is sprinkled at the beginning of the book, but her, and tell me if you want me to cut this, but her response to her husband's stroke afterward right, is something that you read and you're like, I that's not a good reaction. I can see that that's maybe right. not the best reaction, right. and I can see that after a while you shouldn't be thinking those thoughts. Right? But how could you also not?
0: Yeah, you know? I mean, you that's know, what was so I, curious about I, it was I, sort of like, um, am I a
1: terrible person that I understand where she's coming from, but also know that this is not good?
0: Well, I I went on a lot of like um stroke um like you know support groups for families of. Stroke victims, and you know it's a devastating thing to happen to someone you love if the incapacitation is lingers. But a lot of people, um, if they have a stroke when they're young, there is some sort of lingering, and sometimes it's just like uh, trouble with boundaries. Sometimes, sometimes it's a physical thing. Sometimes it's a mental thing. But it really, you know, it can't help but change your relationship,
1: right? and i and read I some books by people whose
0: um who um whose partners had had strokes young mm-hmm.
2: i loved david yeah when and and it's uh, again when he gives her when he gives ruby that gift and i cynthia had told me a little bit about uh, her discovery of that yeah. gift which is an actual uh item that exists in this world not mm-hmm. not just something that was invented uh, it, it, de- it totally devastated me because yeah. it said so, m- and, uh, but I also loved that later she was allowed to be an 18 year old girl who right. changed her mind and might change it back. We don't right. know. Right. But that the, the intention of his gift to her, of her grad on her graduation was so beautiful and spoke so, so clearly which I, I don't think we even read the David chapter till after he gives her the gift. Yeah, I think that's right, but yeah. But when you realize how much she means to him for him to share this thing that was so primary in his life that he right. lost. Yeah, I mean, and they have
0: the purest that was relationship really fun. of any two people in the book. For you know, sure, they just, yeah. Um, genuinely love each other without, you know, Any kind of agenda. (laughs) Any complication.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the book is
2: gorgeous. Yeah.
1: It's gorgeous. Flora's solo trip to New York made me want to weep because I just want that right now so badly. I know, I know. And also going to the theater company made me both excited. And I was also like reviled just from those (laughs) memories of those experience. You know what I mean? That like, it sounded like, oh, this will be amazing. And then you could feel day three or day four and being like, oh my God. Like the
3: worst,
2: (laughs) the literal worst. It was just brilliant. You know what broke my head a little bit unexpectedly? There were a few things that transported me to other times in my life as I was reading this book, which Brian uh, has sort of said. Um, And when they're talking about how big the production has gotten, mm-hmm. it reminded me of when I went to camp as a little girl, because when I started at camp, everything was very cabiny and very rustic. Mm-hmm. And as the camp progressed, it's wonderful camp. I don't know what these days, I don't, you know, I've seen pictures online, et right. cetera, et cetera. But what they do is they start basically remaking the place thinking right. now we'll have a stable that's bigger and better. Right. And every year you come back and there's something new that because yeah. the camp is so fabulous, the facilities have to be fabulous. Right. And it reminded me just the smells and the creeks and the feelings of the early bunks and oh, the feeling nice. on the grounds before they were transformed. And it made me quite sad, actually, because yeah. it's true. Uh, I, knew, I knew somebody told me once there were rules for living. Here are the four rules, et cetera. But one of them is the law of diminishing returns, which is if something is fabulous, a new restaurant opens in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. it'll never be, you'll enjoy it for as long as you enjoy it, but it'll never be as wonderful as it was the first time you discovered it. Right. And there were all these New York moments, the places where they had pasta when they had enough money on payday or the the dive by here or the dive by there. And everyone who lives in New York feels they have their own New York, but it is so true. You try to go back and visit and it becomes like Epcot Center. You try to go back to all of these places. The restaurant
1: closed. Right. Yeah. The, the barbershop closed. Right. Um, there's new things there. It is. I also just want to say, and actually this is a tip, a uh, writing tip, Cynthia. Oh. Yes. So for book club, we're reading Hollywood Wives by Jackie Collins. <laughs>
2: yes.
1: And I just want to let you know.
2: it chose discreetly to skip this month. Don't how don't dare she? You. You. But
1: I just wanted to let you know, Cynthia, that in her book, all of her flashbacks are in italics. So the reader knows <laughs> it's a flashback. So, if, it be, so it that way she doesn't advice. have to use yeah. her words I to like, just put you, you in the scene. there
0: was. A few years ago, I was uh, <laughs> I was a judge for some fiction prize. I can't even remember what it was. And one of the books, I read the description and I thought I'm going to love this book. Um, it was about a woman whose mother had been I don't know I don't remember if it was vaudeville or just a singer or something. And that happened. Like chapter two is a flashback, and it was all in italics. And I was like, I like flipped ahead to understand that all of the past chapters were in italics and I was like yeah done
1: so right so Jackie <laughs> no. Collins you don't you get know, the
0: prize
1: <laughs> cuz you know why Cynthia and this is this is my tip for you is that way you don't have to rely on your writing ability
0: <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> do you know what I mean you could just <laughs> you, it's just a visual clue you can
0: throw clarity out the window and <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly i also just want to say I am getting this book for my mother and my grandmother for Mother's Day. oh
0: good. yeah, a because
1: they will absolutely love the story and B because it is absolutely it's a gorgeous beautiful. book. I, know, it I hate kind of to talk a about outside it, but it's gorgeous no,
2: It's kind of a perfect gift. yeah, I want I would recommend so many doing people that to read it. I feel exactly the same way. It's a book yeah. I am going to send to about six people <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's such a great and I hate to say this because it's it's a totally uh. It's a sacrilegious thing to say, but I want to see it also. Me and too. And I, I really yeah. hope. Well, th- I mean, I don't believe know it the or way- not.
0: Hollywood has not been jumping to tell the story of two middle-aged women. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Uh, but it was really quite cinematic. And yeah, it for just sure. is beautifully, beautifully written. And it's, uh, this, it just says so much about a long-term relationship and about marriage and about shifting perspectives, and you sort of wonder with Flora, in an odd way, the whole tragedy of this feels also perhaps like an opportunity,
1: totally, like right. an, yeah. like an yes. escape
2: hatch yes. that that yes. presented itself when there was no way out, and right. that's so she often she
1: talks the case about that empty in, space, with, yeah, with
2: yeah. Uh, infidelity yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. that it can be a reset, but it can also be a perspective shift that. I don't know, takes yeah. you on another path in life. And we'll, yeah. we'll see where they end up. But yeah. really beautiful.
1: Yeah, congratulations, We idea. have Thank one you. more question Thanks, guys. here. Yes. Uh,
2: Jessica Zirkel Rubin wrote in, who's a real mm-hmm. regular. Jessica Z. Mm-hmm. Dear Cynthia, I'm about halfway through good company and thoroughly enjoying it. You cle- your clever, clever prose deeply resonates with me as a middle-aged mom and member of the Ask Rana and Brian Yenta contingent. <laughs> Speaking okay. of which... Your character, Mago, feels very familiar. Her lavish gift-giving, her luxury lifestyle, her 50 shades of cafe au lait <laughs> abode.
1: Uh, and that, her, oh I gotta God. say.
2: I didn't think <laughs> think about that. And her favorite Florentine pharmacy candle all evoke a oh. beloved Ronna. Well, we'll wow. get into that. Uh, yeah. To me, Ronna's Ronna. <laughs> inimitable style is an inspiration to so many. Is it safe to suspect that she was on your mind as you shaped Mago? Thank you for your consideration of this question and for your contribution to my sweet escapes of pleasure reading and podcast listening. Sincerely, Jessica. P.S. Thank you, Ronna and Brian, for not only the years of entertainment, but also for this extra interactive edition of the Carriage House Book Club. What a treat to be able to address the author herself, Oh, that's yeah, very right. nice. that's very nice. I have um, to give credit Cynthia. where credit is Cynthia has been a long Cynthia has been on a a long time lover of Santa maria novella as well I so have. i can't i have i can't take that away from her um can't. yes,
0: so that's been my writing candle for a very long a very very long
2: time yes. chicken and egg um, chicken and egg, yeah, and um, I thought when you I, were writing about airline miles, I felt for sure you were writing about me. I
0: feel like uh, I lived in New York City for 27 years, and then I moved to Los Angeles. Yeah. The number of of friends I've had who are controlling through... I'm not talking about Rana. (laughs)
2: I I'm huh. literally, I mean I was like, I have here just, we go. I have had a well. Lot. I didn't know this was what we were going to do today, but let's go for it, <laughs> Brian. You are the ref. You were talking about being the ring girl earlier. <sighs> That's no, right. So get I
0: ready. Be I I will be totally honest with you. I felt like that was writing into an insecurity of mine, which is, um, if you feel you know if you feel like you are in a more privileged position than people around you, sometimes you overcompensate. And I do this with my family, which is I would always lie and tell them I had miles and buy their plane tickets somewhere. And it's so you don't like humiliate someone, but, and I, and I think that's fine. And, and, and it comes from a good, it comes from a good place, but it can also be in certain circumstances condescending. And I have also had friends, we had friends in New York who, you know, it was very apparent, had a very different kind of life than Mike and I did. And they would never let us pay for dinner, like never let us pay for dinner. And after a while it was like, we're not, I, I, now I'm, now I'm, now I resent right. this. Yeah. So And it became this game where like my husband would go to the maitre d' and be like, we're paying for dinner. And you know, so those imbalance, those financial imbalances with, in friendships can, cause it's complicated, it can just cause stress, so that's I mean that's really where I was that I was thought more that was very illuminating, actually um yeah I have and, another tip. and then my friend my my um brilliant friend David Rockoff always used to say um Ugh. that there's nothing more um aggressive than giving people a gift <laughs>
1: <laughs> brilliant was yeah. he brilliant he was wow.
0: like, Ugh. it's a real act of hostility, <laughs> right and <laughs>
1: It's a threat. Yes, I gotta tell you, Cynthia. Two quick follow-ups. Um, was the character of Sydney based on me?
0: Of course.
1: Okay.
2: You that are Sydney Bloom. There's no question. <laughs> you are a Sydney Bloom, Brian. No, circling your nipples on the bed. No mm-hmm. question. I have to. T- I gotta tell you. <laughs> yep. I
1: was sort of living for her in those moments of just being like, oh, this.
2: Spent. Yeah, sitting yeah. in the diner waiting for it. Yeah. And some nights he would stop, and some nights he wouldn't. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh.
1: And then another tip: so I do awful. the opposite of the gifting miles and gifts thing. Mm-hmm. I I tell people when like I call home or anyone in Texas, I tell people I only have a second because my long distance bills. So you can do that. <laughs>
3: sure,
0: that's, well, I I I I I like that tip very much. <laughs> okay,
2: <good. laughs> I may put it into use. All right. Rana, we, don't, we don't want to give anything else away. I'm dying for people yes, to read this book. Please I have read it. to say, it was an absolute pleasure to read, and I will probably just pick it up and start reading yeah, it. Honestly, if, me too. If people
0: um, have questions, they should just follow me on Instagram, and go. I'm happy to answer questions, so... Well, don't offer too much of that. I mean, these people will be
2: driving you crazy.
0: Well, I'll just ignore the ones I don't like.
2: Oh, okay. okay. Uh, And they can go to the link in our bio and they can purchase the book either through Bookshop. From the Lincoln our Bio, or through Amazon. That's so, right. We get one uh, penny
1: for every. We get purchase. a penny
2: for every book that's sold. Yeah, and it supports the book, of course, but also yeah. uh, it supports the podcast. So and I'm not kidding. Please. Get this
1: for someone in your life for Mother's Day or any. I know, even day. if they
2: never read it, it's. Gorgeous. I know it's so beautiful. Yeah, but it was put out an on your absolute pleasure, and especially in a year when we've been watching so much. Yeah, it was so fun. To just, it was such a wonderful pleasure of a read. It was nice to not be watching and to be to be internalizing in a different way. And okay. it was absolutely, it was just, I'm beautiful. so glad. Yeah. Uh okay. We've got to get into okay. This. Brian, it's nothing you- like
1: any of the like Mario Puzo books. <laughs>
2: wow. Well. What is? I mean. Yeah. That's true. No, these okay. some of the characters are Italian. That's right. That's true. You're right actually. And there's, actually there's I love that's the other thing I love is I loved
3: The sort of
2: the sort of witchy female antecedents yes. hanging hey the evil over. eye. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the loved the, the malocchio. Yeah. And I loved uh on the night of the party where she's she's just in almost in conversation with her mother, Josephine, about how fabulous. it's happening, right, and what right. what and how it was, an int- and there's a lot of um, another theme of the book is when to be present and when to not be mm-hmm. checked out, basically. Yeah, and how in life's more imp- most important moments, it's sometimes very difficult to be present, but that you sometimes have a moment with yourself where you say, as Brian was describing, the Chinese restaurant i've I've got to bookmark this somehow in my brain right. yes. i've got right. to, I know right. this is right. a significant moment, and those moments right. are so electric and I have to say, I love that it started that day started with him wa- admitting. That New York was a burden and that he was wandering into the park because he had to he just needed right, to do right, something right. to report back to home. And oh who doesn't know those feelings? No kidding. Yeah, yeah. I know. I um, should be i I I have this wonderful opportunity and my life feels totally uninteresting. And I'm really just exhausted because I'm an emergency room doctor. Mm. And it, yeah. it was
0: funny because a, a good friend of mine read an early draft and she said, Um, there were too many coincidences in this book, like people bumping into each other. And I said, Have you ever lived new york city yeah and she was like no i was like well then
1: and by the way it's exactly as you said that's
0: exactly what happens all all the the time time. and usually
1: it's also as you say in the book where you're like (laughs) stuck in a subway car with someone you really don't want to run right it's pretty (laughs) much the standard yeah
0: Yeah. it's just it is the smallest town in ways that are absolutely um, completely bewildering but yeah
2: i'm gonna let brian read the first letter
1: Rana, what do, what do I owe this pleasure? Almost never
2: happens. The pleasure that I've been yapping nonstop for the last 25 <laughs> minutes. So I think they need to hear another voice. That's what
1: I think. The, uh, right. Uh, and also,
2: go- I feel that you can channel the uh, the appropriate. I don't know. You could give the right performance on this letter. This guy is. Let's do it. S- we're starting from a 10, and then we're going to dial back. <laughs> <Okay>. Correct. <laughs> yeah.
1: Dear Rana, Brian, and fabulous guest, <clears throat> Cynthia Dupree Sweeney. I think there's a bit to unpack here and I'll try my, just so you know, I'll try my best to be as succinct as possible. They never made Cynthia, it. Cynthia, you got to yeah. understand yeah. it's not happening.
2: Yeah. Cynthia's a listener. She understands yeah. she's already as mad as we are. Okay. And I really am going to institute a word count. I'm letting people know that's yeah. coming. It's
1: coming. It's yeah. coming. I'm
2: going to be like Martin Luther. I'm going to, I'm going to nail it right to the doors of the church and people will just sure. have to follow it. And that's the deal.
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, at least we'll be able to understand the services in a language other than Latin, Rana. Right. I'm gay, pretty awesome, and turning 39 this spring. Last spring, my estranged father died. Oh, at the time of his death, we estranged.
2: haven't- cut- Estranged. Estranged. strange. yes. Estranged, yeah. Not strange.
1: No, my estranged, right. (laughs) Thank you.
2: (laughs) Possibly strange, but also Possibly, we'll find out. At
1: the time of his death, we hadn't spoken in three years following quite a blow up. I'd finally confronted him and my mother about the decades of physical, emotional, and verbal abuse I endured, thanks to my father, as well as my mother's silence while it was happening. Mm. My father was always pretty angry and he was volatile. All I wanted was an apology. Better yet, I was hoping for them to recognize what they had done. Slim chance. That's him saying that. Mm-hmm. Take a little accountability. Take a little accountability. Very slim chance and then offer a heartfelt apology. Are you kidding? In the oh perfect world.
2: In the in a perfect, I believe it is. Oh,
1: okay. All mm-hmm. would have been settled and they there would be several aha moments all around and we could all grow as people and as a family together. That did not happen. I told my father to not talk to me again unless he was ready to fess up, be accountable, and put in the work to actually make a relationship possible. I blocked him, my mother, and my sister on social media and on my phone. I thought about them here and there, but Mm -hmm. I pretty much lived my life without a family. I had my chosen family, after all. About a year later, I saw a voicemail in a folder for blocked numbers from my father. Not surprisingly, it wasn't even the hint of an apology. He called to tell me my mother had broken her leg. If I even gave a shit were his words i didn't call back last june he died unexpectedly of a stroke and of course now any chance of our reconciling is gone when i was a kid he and i occasionally got along we built a car together when i was 11 but what really brought us together was music he was a superb guitarist and well respected in the local music community where i grew up i mean like everybody knew him and or played with him he had a multitude of instruments instruments that i also had pretty close relationships with Before he'd go to gigs, I was often the one stringing and tuning the guitars he would be playing that night. He always talked about how he wanted to instill the importance of caring for the guitars that would one day be mine. I also play, so that was always something I looked forward to. And I'm talking more than a dozen guitars here. Since he's died, I've gotten back in touch with my mother and sister and have even talked about going out west to see them once the pandemic is over. I was going to rent some vehicle to haul the instruments back cross-country to New England with me. I realize there have been many parts, and I'm really trying to wrap it up here. My oh, mother no my mother had a <laughs> memorial for my father last October, peak pandemic, and a lot of family attended. She invited me and accepted that I will not be traveling anywhere during a pandemic. Thank you. She FaceTimed me the weekend it was happening, and I saw a bunch of guitars out in the background. I was in shock. I asked her why they were going through everything. Was she selling the guitars? She said no, she wasn't selling them fast forward to this past easter weekend when it slipped that she had been selling them since november no actually a friend is selling them in an online store taking a commission and giving my mother the rest i brought up her saying she wasn't se- i brought up her saying she wasn't selling them her retort we weren't selling them we were getting ready to sell them excuse me I came unglued. She insisted she had no idea that she didn't think to tell me this that she thought I wouldn't warn them. I told her explicitly that I was going out there to go through them and bring them home, and she says she doesn't remember. She says I'm too angry about the past. She says I need to speak seek professional help about it to me. This sounds like a fuck ton uh, it sounds a fuck ton like gaslighting, and she's saying it never happened. you're too emo you're too emotional. You're crazy. Am I the asshole here? Look, I know I effectively cut them off. I wanted an apology and not just some cursory. Uh, yep, we're sorry. Happy now? The apology never came. They still could have reached me through email. It's not like I made myself totally unreachable. To me, my father, a chronic non-apologizer, really would have rather died than show me any kind of compassion. My mother, still very alive, who may I add, left me out of his obituary, pulled this guitar shit on purpose. She claims not knowing I'd want them, given my history with my father. I explicitly told her I warned them. And as I stated earlier, she said she wasn't selling them. I call total bullshit. What is the freaking deal here? I'm eager to get some outside perspective on this. Being abused as a kid, teen, and young adult was terrible, but this continued behavior toward me is almost worse. I really feel like I mean nothing to these people. I love your show. You two are the absolute best. Kiss, kiss, Andy. Well...
0: Well, that's a lot.
1: It's a lot. Um, I have gone through periods where I did not speak to my parents. Um, I don't recall ever blocking them on anything. I just, and I told them why and what was happening. But I will say this, the only, the what I realized through all of that was um, the only, now that they're back in my life, that isn't what I needed. Necessarily. Right. What I needed was what I was doing, which was seeing a therapist at the time twice a week. Right. To eventually, because when they did come back in, it, I was sort of like, okay, I don't need them in the same way any longer. I want them in my life, but I don't need that. Is not going to ever solve anything. I'm never going to get the apologies I want. They're not right. those people. They just right. aren't. I'm never right. going to get them. I've right. asked for them and that's all I can do. And then it's up to you to move on.
0: And do you know what Andy really doesn't need? Hmm. Those guitars.
1: Honestly, Andy, you don't.
0: So it's it's like having wrote a having written a book about siblings who yeah. are waiting for the some nest, kind of inheritance. Out uh,
2: paperback right now. <clears throat> right. And yeah. um,
0: I, when I was on book tour for that book, I cannot tell you the number of st- people who would come up to me at the end of a reading and tell me the stories of family arguments that went on, it could be, have been over a teapot or a farm with siblings not speaking to each other. And it's like, it's not, it's not about the thing. You don't want the guitars. You want to feel a connection to your father. You, you need to heal that disappointment in some way. And you think that those guitars are going to give you that connection. But first of all, they're not. I understand why you're focusing on them. Um, he didn't say whether or not they're all gone. I, maybe there's one he can have, maybe he can just say, but you know, um, these, you know, these people obviously don't they're it's, it's really hard when your family disappoints you in such a profound way. But I think that's where the work like you said Brian that's where the work needs to be done not figuring out like what's happening with these guitars in a on eBay or whatever
1: and also an apology is is really not going to be the thing that that satisfies you for longer right. than a minute it just isn't you yeah, know, and by the way they're therapy, not going to
2: apologize enough no matter how no. much they apologize and whether it's no.
1: therapy whether it's group therapy most lgbt centers if you're living in a major city offer those things for free not to mention you could go to something like um i don't know what the abuse one is, but there are like gay Al-Anons and there are, you know what I mean? Like there are right, support groups. If you, right. if you couldn't afford therapy or LGBT centers also have a sliding scale. If, if that's what's going on or something, but you really, this is your, unfortunately they dumped a pile of shit on you from zero to 18. That was not right, not fair and abusive. There's no getting around it.
0: And, I mean, yeah. he's living in a very complicated, very unresolved grief.
1: Yes. That is something yes. you
0: have to do. You have to deal with. And, and, all the guitars in the world aren't going to fix it.
2: And your mother's advice is correct. It's just that her what she wants the result to be is not what the result is going to be. But her advice is actually correct. She's not yes. wrong. You do no, need, she's not wrong. You need therapy, and you have and you are unresolved about all of this, and you're angry. And she's right, right. about all of that. She thinks at the end of that, that you're gonna go back and say. Oh, you were the victim, and I'm sorry, and I was gave you a hard time. That's not what's going to happen. But she isn't wrong about that. And I'm sorry. Uh, Look, the guitars, I get... You blocked everybody on social media. You got a voicemail from your father that said your mother broke her leg and you didn't call your mother to see if she was all right. She's still a person, and she's still the person who lived with an abusive man for years and apologized for him or made her own little deals with herself about what she was capable of and what mm-hmm. she wasn't capable of and what kind of mother she was. She's still that person. So it's not in any way surprising to me that she kept yet another secret from you, which is that she right. vindictively decided to sell these guitars or she needed the money or, or you were a brat and she doesn't care what you want. Whatever her... Opinions are. She's still that same wounded, narcissistic person that she was when you were growing up. She right.
1: was. I will just double down and say I don't think that someone watching you get abused consistently like that is you know free and clear of. Um, I'm sure they are of a victim to some. E- yeah, I'm yeah. sure they are a victim to some extent, but also like
2: right. Oh, you mean you mean nothing she,
1: worse than a bystander. You mean right.
2: she's. Oh, of course. I'm not apologizing for her. No, I'm, I didn't think you I'm were. I was just doubling down on that. She is the same person she was then. She didn't right. defend you then. She didn't care about your interests then. What made you think she'd save these guitars for you in this great act of redemption? I see. I mean, it would right. have been right. great right. if she yes. had, but it's, she but is do- unrealistic... just doing what she needs to do to survive. And that's selling these guitars. And she really puts yeah. the... Uh, it's look, we don't know the ins and outs of what happened in that household. And it's very, I feel uncomfortable foisting too much upon the mother who also was clearly a victim of a lot of bad behavior, but she was also a participant and a perpetrator in that behavior in the household when it came to her children. Mm -hmm. And that is a certain kind of either Weakness or selfishness or narcissism And by the way denial or, or, a lot or, of denial or yeah. or uh uh what's the word uh survival um, survival, right, survival right survival uh coping mechanisms right. that sort of right. thing, mm-hmm. whatever it is she's not right. going to stop doing that no she's never been to therapy either, apparently, but you yeah, have to take I- care of you, and yeah. Resolve these matters. You're very upset, understandably. Yes. But you need to find a way to not live in that space anymore.
1: And that's what sucks about this shit, is it's really like it's it's really just up to you. It's the fucking wizard of oz if it was always inside you. It really is yeah. It really is up to you to fix damage that might have been done to you, but you're the only one who can pull yourself out of it. Your mother, there believe me, I've had this conversation so many times with my parents in the past. They have selective memories, even when it's all of their children saying something happened. They don't remember it. And they never will. And so it was just sort of up to me to be like, okay, what are the, I am not, I am not happy with them out of my life. There are certain things I need to hear that maybe they can't say, but there are also certain things that I just need to say, and then I've said it. And whatever they do with it from there, that's fine. But I can't live without these people Completely. It just, I, well, I wasn't happy that way. But I did have to go to therapy all the time to get to a place where I could be happy with with the relationship that, that could exist, even right. though the lines were redrawn. Are they my first phone calls in an emergency? No, they're not. Do I love them? Yes.
0: Maybe he has called his mother and said, listen, here's the one good memory I have. You know, here is, here is something that means something to me. Can I have one of those guitars? Like, what do mm-hmm. you need with 12 guitars anyway? Unless you're a musician too, but I- think that, but, you know, can I just have one? Can I, um, this would mean a lot to me.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, you might have to make yourself vulnerable in a way that you don't deserve to have to do, but, but that might get you somewhere.
2: And it also might not. It absolutely just so might know. not. And also the way that people reorder what are the universes and deal with grief, There are people who truly go crazy in the year after or year or so after when people die. And you can't understand it. But they do particularly older people. And your mother was totally codependent and intertwined with this guy forever. How else could she have stayed in this household? Yeah, it doesn't sound like he was a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he dropped dead. You know, she has did not have any time to prepare or process, right. et cetera. And she may not be a person that it does I would not I would be shocked if she handled anything gracefully. So she's not right. handling this well either. Right. And she's mad that it happened and she's resentful of you. And she's resent and that you have your own opinion and your own narrative about the life that she gave you. She's resentful of the life that she chose. Honestly, go read Good Company. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no, because you look at the, the different perspectives on one event, and if nothing else, it should give all of us a moment to take a breath and truly believe you never know what another person's going through. And that's for better and for worse. It's just right. that her perspective is not your perspective, again- I'm not apologizing for your mother, but she is going through whatever she's going through, and you shouldn't expect that to line up with whatever you're going through. And the magic, magic bullet has. for you,
1: the magic bullet for you, is not an apology from her. It just isn't no, right. It and just it's isn't, not, and, he, and he, it sucks.
0: And he's, but he's, but it's been transferred to the guitars, which is completely yes. understandable. Right, but it's that's not going to um, heal right. that wound either. There's no redemption in these
2: guitars. Right.
1: Uh-uh. Yeah. And I, All by right. the way, I'm very. Very sorry for your situation. Yes. And also I can't imagine A losing a parent, but B losing a parent I was in real conflict with. I think yeah. that's gotta be hard to It's no really rough. What, you know.
2: Grief is so complicated mm-hmm. and so unexpected. In a way, it just, you can't, it's not the same as teasing through a normal problem or a normal relationship. Maybe a heartbreak or a breakup is the closest thing, an unexpected heartbreak Mm -hmm. that you Mm -hmm. can understand to grief because you just find yourself teasing back over things and, and combing through a pile in a way that is unresolvable. Mm-hmm. And right. so the only thing you can do is make your own peace with it, and but right. you absolutely have to go through that entire process. And the process really, di- it's like a raging river. It dictates its own pace. You do not dictate it. The only thing you can do is try and sort of navigate your kayak down those, mm-hmm. down those waters. And that's what you have control of. But it will take you to places that you didn't want to go, but if you don't go to them, you never get past them. Right.
1: It just ends up like leaking out in, I mean, I do actually think that's how a lot of men, especially come into a midlife crisis is because Absolutely. they've walked around things instead of through them their entire T- lives.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I apologize for using 40 mixed metaphors. Okay. <laughs> the next question. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, this question is barely worthy of our attention. But okay. this question <laughs> keeps coming back into our yeah. inbox. Yeah. And this person clearly feels very unresolved about it and keeps writing to us and saying, not sure if you saw this, not sure if you saw this. <laughs> okay. I see them all. Okay, dear? <laughs> I see them all. So this person needs an, an answer. This or Tony an does, or an does, or Adam does. Yeah. But this person needs something, so we're going to give it to them. Okay? Okay. Dear lovely Ron, a sweet Brian, and wonderful guest, and I can tell you what this person really needs before I even read this question. They also need a copy of Good Company.
1: No kidding, All because
2: right. Ruby is going to speak to this person. I'm glad that we're subscribing, prescribing.
1: <laughs> I know we are. Good company.
2: Well, to you'll everyone. see. Yeah. you'll see. I'm in a bit of an emotional dilemma. Could really use some guidance from some of my favorite people. My boyfriend and I have been together for almost four years now and have been long distanced for most of them. We've been able to to make it work for the most part and have been able to see each other every month or every other month. So never. The distance has been hard, but has also made our love grow fonder. Codependency. (laughs) Since the pandemic, it's been harder and harder for us to see each other or even communicate regularly. I now work full-time during the day, and he works full-time night shifts at his job, which was deemed essential at the beginning of the pandemic. So we've both been really busy and have not had time to meet up for months, along with the paranoia of wanting to remain safe as he lives with his family, and so do I. Since our work schedules are also so opposite, while I'm working, he's asleep, and vice versa, it's been hard to communicate and make time for each other on the phone or even by text. We started to schedule times to talk, but it's only been once a week and hasn't helped much on my end. I've started to feel like we're losing our connection and sadly the spark just isn't there anymore. I could end the letter here, but I won't because they never do. Recently, I've also realized that we're on two different levels in our relationship. We're both in our early 20s. This has been my first relationship. Well, he's had a few and is now ready to date for marriage. He told me multiple times that he sees me being his wife. While he is a great guy and a perfect option for a husband, I'm just not sure I'm there yet. I have no desire to date other people or sleep around, etc. but I can't, for some reason, shake the feeling of not being ready for such a commitment. He's not asking me to marry him now or soon, but we've had some opportunities to move in together or even move to the same state and I've found myself being hesitant or using my family or my career as an excuse not to. We're now in a weird stage of our relationship where we, I mean, he, I got to give him credit though. I mean, this, guy's, <laughs> this guy hangs on. He doesn't take a hint. No. He doesn't. No, <laughs> he hangs on his hat. He's got his fingers dug into that mountainside, yep. and you know, yep. Bugs Bunny's hanging off his drawers, and then Correct. Wiley Coyote's yep. hanging off Bugs Bunny's drawers, and Elma Fudd's hanging off both yeah. of their drawers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're now in a weird stage of our relationship where we both have to make a change in order for us to be happy, and I'm terrified of each option. He's still fully committed to trying to make it work, but I'm still very much on the fence. Do I stay with him and continue to date long distance? He's not in a financial position where he can move near me, and I've recently committed to taking care of my sister, who has just moved in with me to begin college. So there is no end in sight now to the distance gap being bridged, and I'm not sure how long my feelings will last this way. Or do I end the relationship and figure out why I'm not ready to commit to him? I mean, figure it out. What is there to figure out? (laughs) You're not. He's been the perfect boyfriend and is a true gentleman. I'm always told how lucky I am to be with a guy like him. And I do believe that he is a rare rare catch. He's emotionally in tune, sensitive, caring, kind, and selfless. You better believe he is. No kidding. We never. And (laughs) clueless. (laughs) We also. (laughs) Uh, We never even fight. Of course you don't. I've never admitted this, but despite all his amazing qualities, I sometimes wonder if I'm even fully attracted to him. I've found myself getting more and more annoyed at the little quirks he has. And I question if I do love him as unconditionally as I felt I had at the beginning. Am I stupid for considering leaving such a perfect man for uncertainty and being a little picky? I can't help but feel like he doesn't deserve someone as indecisive as me, and that I'm holding him back from the life he is ready to live. Correct. But I'm also afraid <sighs> that if I let him go, I'll regret it and never find a guy as great as he is. Selfish. I'm also not sure if I'm ready to let go of all the wonderful memories we made together for four years. He is my best friend, and I love him so much. This has been tearing me up inside, and I'm not sure where to turn. Every time I try to make a decision, I end up convincing myself out of it. I don't want to keep him waiting and have him go through this emotional turmoil while I fail to make a decision. Please help. Kiss, kiss, and love you all. Jay.
1: Cynthia, what do you think? I mean, obviously they need to stay together, but what do do you think? (laughs) I mean, it seems like a match made in heaven. It seems, Yeah, valuable. it
2: really does. Well, um, we should first say, we understand you're very young. Yes. So this is the first time you're feeling these feelings. Yeah, yes. So as much as we joke and joke and joke, we understand how important this feels in your life in this moment. And so it is, yes. We're not taking, making light of that. It is taking, important. No, it, is important. Yeah. it is not easy to
0: end a four-year relationship and, you know, start all over again, um, go dating, etc., etc. But you should not be with this guy. Uh, if you, you have been together just because someone is a great person and good husband material does not mean you marry them. You marry someone who you desperately want to spend the rest of your life with right. like someone who you, who you are, you know, who. You couldn't imagine breaking up with the very fact that you're thinking to yourself, should I break up with this guy? It's not, should I break up with this guy or marry him? That's your answer. You right. break up. Great
1: point. <laughs> <laughs> if those are the two. Yes.
0: Yeah, so I like that. If that's the binary, you're not, you're not listening to yourself. There are you just don't even want to live flags. in the same
1: state as him. Right.
0: No, this is
2: your, he's your yeah. brother that lives in another yes. state. And he's by the way, a, those memories your
1: exactly. He's your friend; those memories don't go away. You'll no, still have them. No, they don't go away. Yeah. And you
2: had a
0: successful four-year relationship, and that's a wonderful thing. And you learned all these things that you're going to bring to the next relationship. And you know, but you'd rather live with your college-age sister
2: than your boyfriend. I yeah. think that's your answer.
1: I do too. I think this is a this, this this train. Get off this train.
2: Yeah. And the part where you said, "I don't think about dating other people as sleeping around," all that makes you is loyal. Yes. You're not thinking about it because you're not supposed to be thinking about it because you're in a relationship. When you get out of the relationship, you can worry about whether you're thinking about that or not. All that does is make you a nice girl. Doesn't mean that you don't want to be with someone else or that you're not noticing other people. You're just not in that place at the moment.
1: There is no worse feeling than...
2: He knows breaking it
1: up with someone who did not cheat on you, who is not an asshole, who right. didn't do something, who is right. actually a wonderful person. It's a horrible thing. I mean, I'm sure it's horrible to be broken up with that way too. Of course it is. But it's a, you feel like a bad person doing it. And guess right. what? There's no real it, the the words that come out of your mouth eventually are going to have to say, I don't think we should be together. I think you should do it as nicely as you can, but that's not easy. You're not a bad person for it though.
0: No. It's
1: not anything bad you're doing to him. And of course he might go through some heartache and heartbreak for a little bit. Yes. He's used to, at this point, you all might just be in love with the ideas of each other, which is so trite to say, but you don't see each other. Yeah. And
2: knowing what you want and what you don't want in this world does not make you a bad person, as you were saying. Mm-mm. And who cares what the people in your family and friends, their opinion that he's a great guy, guy et cetera, et cetera. He is a great guy. Yeah. You're not, you're not saying anything yeah. different than that. What you're saying is, I don't want to do this anymore. I want yeah. a boyfriend I can watch a movie with.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I or I want no on.
2: boyfriend at all. I or mean, this I just guy wants to get married, out. and
0: I don't want to get yeah. married.
2: Yeah. We're not in the
1: same place, you know.
0: So, so yeah, you know what you have to do.
1: And obviously, like also, here is another trite thing to say, but. The the sooner you do it, the the better for you and certainly Absol- the better yeah. for him. It's yeah, just, you got to rip that goes. Band-Aid off. He it. is also
2: going to try and convince you to not do this. Yes. And you have to know that going in. So right. you have to stay strong. Yes. You have to say to him, I can't do this anymore. This right. Our lives are not compatible. Uh, and I'm heartbroken because you are my best friend. And I know that I'm risking losing that. But this is not making me happy.
1: No. And if he he says, please don't do this to me, please don't do this to me. He's going to want
2: to say, why don't I come this weekend? Why don't I, whatever.
0: And you have to say,
2: you have to be strong. I don't want, I need space and I need to be alone. And And it sucks doing it. It does. I remember being that
1: agent doing that to somebody, and it is the worst feeling. But it's the but kind it's, thing to do. It,
0: but it's also something that you learn from. It's a growth yeah. opportunity, and it's it's part of becoming a grown up and having the capacity to look at another human being and say, "I think I actually could spend the rest of my life with you." Mm-hmm. You know, you have to you have to go through this. But if you're and, talking yourself into it, it's a terrible idea. Yeah. And no
2: matter what he thinks, he wants, et etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, What you're doing is actually disrespectful to him. Right. From your side. No Mm -hmm. matter whether he doesn't necessarily see it that way. He could do this forever, apparently. But you have too much respect for him as a person and as a friend and as a catch to keep doing this. Right.
1: Right. If this is the guy, if this guy wants to get married to someone soon, let him go do it. Yeah, you should marry somebody that
2: wants to get married. Totally.
1: And yeah. he probably will. But yeah. um, you, uh, yeah, this is not your responsibility. And like Cynthia said, this is a real growth opportunity for A, the power of no thank you. Yeah. And B, just sort of saying like, well, what if I wanted to make myself happy? Correct. If those right. are big things. That's
2: right. a big lesson to learn right yes. at this stage in your life yes. and a great lesson to learn. Yes. Yeah. What do I want? Yeah. That is what life is about. That's right. And it's the hardest question in the world to answer. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for yeah. sure.
2: Okay. One last question here.
1: One last question. Dear Ronna Bryan, an esteemed guest. I should should certainly say so. Two-time New York Times
2: bestseller. Instant. Instant Instant. bestseller. Just add water. That's That's right. right.
1: After your appearance, what she basically did was Mad Libs.
2: (laughs) I wonder how long Mad Libs have been on the New York Times bestseller list. Probably about 50 years.
1: Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. After your appearance on Andy and Naomi's couple thera- couples therapy podcast in November, I was going to say that was a while ago. Yeah, I immediately subscribed to Ask Rana and quickly devoured all of the available episodes. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. I was floored by your ability to be downright hilarious while giving great, real advice without laughing at the expense of other people. That's a rarity and a welcome respite from the pandemic blues. Thank you. My partner and I fostered a th- fostered a three month old puppy in December quickly fell in love and adopted him shortly after he was born in a puppy mill and spent weeks in a pet shop before a rescue organization purchased him. It's awful. Puppies have a crucial socialization period that will impact the rest of their lives. And unfortunately he spent those entirely alone in a cage. Despite those circumstances, he's a very good boy. Now that he's six months old and entering adolescence, he's incredibly fearful of the world. And we are working hard to have him happy, be happy, comfortable, and develop into a great, into a great adult companion dog. We have adjusted our work schedules to be home with him more. We're going through one-on-one training sessions, anything we can. Now, the conundrum. My parents, my partner, and I are recently vaccinated, and they decided to come to our house recently to visit and meet our new puppy. I've told them about his struggles and everything we are doing to have him feel safe and comfortable. I prepped my parents and said they needed to stay calm around him, let him come up to you, stay away from his head, etc., Our dog met my parents outside in a neutral zone. My mom followed all the protocols we laid out. She waited until the dog came up to her and gave him treats. My dad did the opposite of what we asked. He very loudly said things like, who is a good boy? And come here, buddy, it's okay. And we're right, that's it. all caps, he wrote that, and went right up to his face and started trying to pet him. Our dog was incredibly overwhelmed and nervous. We went into the house and he immediately uh, went on the floor and tried to wrestle with a very mouthy, nervous, six-month-old puppy who had never met him before. We told him that we know from experience to get up and to get up and not do that and instead do what my mom was doing. He responded, "Oh, he's fine, and you guys forget that I'm great with dogs and didn't stop. He grabbed his face and spoke very loudly. He also told my partner to keep, take him off the leash and let him have the run of the house. And we responded that it's best to keep him on the leash since he's an unpredictable puppy and my dad was doing things to make him incredibly nervous. He mentioned taking him off the leash several times. We pl- tried to play it off his humor instead of being more forceful. My dad's a boomer who cannot help but make many, many suggestions to his adult children and partners about how best to live their lives. My siblings and I are always telling stories to each other about how dad still gave the toddler a coin to play with, even though he was asked not to because she's fine. And how do you think I grew up? Or I mentioned a hundred times, why do you use grandparents for childcare? Just get a teenage babysitter in the neighborhood. I only went to Culver's and I can't get the virus there. Relax, et cetera. Side note, he and my mom did get COVID. He's a sensitive guy who will be hurt if we were considerate, but at the same time, he's disrespectful and ba- about boundaries and doesn't get it. I do feel like I've learned a lot from you folks about the benefits of healthy boundaries, but have struggled with how best to respectfully create some with my dad and our dog. Do I have to give bullet points explicitly about how to interact with our pup and say if he doesn't do those, he can he can't see him? He's gonna roll his eyes and tell us we're overreacting and he's just a dog. I realize I'm talking about a dog and not a person, but he's a living creature whose happiness is our responsibility. Furthermore, I do not want our next interaction to be so uncomfortable for our dog that he snaps or even bites my dad, which then he will be labeled aggressive forever, even though it wouldn't be his fault. Thank you for your thoughtfulness. Jay in Chicago. Another Jay. Another Jay. Two J's. Bring out the J's. JJ, Cynthia.
0: Jay. You say to your dad, dad, I love you. I love you so much. And I really want to see you as much as you want to see us, but this is what I need you to do. And I know you don't agree, but if you love me, you will just do this. Yeah. And, and see what happens. He might still ignore you. Uh, I mean, you know, I have a steamroller of a parent and she would come, she would like rile up my kids when they were babies in ways that drove me crazy. Right. But I was finally just like, she is a great grandmother, so I'm just going to deal with this. You're dealing with something different. You're really trying to train this puppy and make it feel safe and secure and all of this stuff. But you, yes, I think you probably do have to make a list. Like I would literally write down... All of the things, and I don't know if your mother can be an ally, or you know, if like, can you enlist her help? I, 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 uh, I don't know. I've never had a dog, so maybe I'm not the best person to. Uh,
1: I mean, I do think. I, listen, before I got a dog, I would probably would have felt differently, but um, I do think that. First of all, I think your dad sounds like he has a heart of gold. I mean, it it sounds like he...
0: Yeah, he's it doesn't sound like he's malicious.
1: No, it sounds like he's a sweet guy who thinks his way is the right way. As I know you mentioned boomers, I hate to brush with a broad brushstroke, but...
0: Hey, there's a boomer in the house.
1: Is there you? I would never guess. I would never guess that. But...
0: What are we
2: calling a boomer?
0: Where does it well, start? Where does it end? It's very I have recently found out that I'm what's called a boomer X. So
1: you're right in like in between those i I'm things.
0: like, yeah, because I was born in nineteen sixty. So anyone from nineteen sixty to sixty four, that's the end of it. Oh. So obviously someone born in nineteen sixty and someone born in nineteen forty-five. Right. <laughs> have have lived wildly different yes, childhoods, yeah. so yeah. You know.
1: I mean, the country literally changed literally when you changed. were a child over like, the course I of your did childhood. Not, I was
0: not a teenager during the sixties. You right. know, I was exactly six. Right.
1: So, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, yeah, but anyway, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, um, I now feel like Cynthia. I think you're right. I think it probably seems absurd on its face to give your dad rules about how to interact with a dog. But the fact of the matter is, it would really unnerve me if my dad came in and accidentally started really scaring my dog, who can be a little bit fragile. He can be. Hmm. Uh, he's a, also a rescue, has a very sad backstory, and, you know, it. It it's heartbreaking when, when those things come out. Um, however, I... It's one of those fine lines, which is like, I don't think you can tell your dad, like, you can't come over anymore. I don't think you can take it to that extreme of being like if you can't act right, you can't come over. It might be a thing where you just have to create a really safe space for your dog and keep him in your lap or your mom's lap or whatever until he really gets used to your father. But um, yeah,
0: it's like a like a little play like a exa- little play like pen. A lot of people just, do that. Yeah, yeah, and just be like you. You're listen. No one's allowed to take the dog out unless exactly. I say it's okay. And
1: by the way, dogs like like. Sherman, when he's over here, tries to find the smallest space he possibly can to fit in. They like that. They like being in a quote-unquote den. They like it. And they feel secure in it. But uh, I think you just need to keep trying with your father. It's not anything he's doing. Listen, talk about dogs. Your your dad isn't interested in learning new tricks, clearly.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, There's a philosophical difference. With
1: my nieces, like, you know, obviously there's such a shift between how my parents parented, which was really and their generation, which I you can kind of call, I think there's even a term that's like good enough parenting. Like, you know, whereas yeah. now I think the burden is almost the opposite to where you have you really more than ever. It's like the 50s, you have to be a perfect specimen of a parent. Yeah. Otherwise, the judgment is so harsh. But um, so there's it is probably, a
0: generational thing, yeah. and his exactly. philosophy is his philosophy, and you can't change that. But you can kind of do a gentle version of my house, my rules. Yes. And, and that's just part of getting older, too, and starting to draw boundaries and not be the, you know, like, I'm an adult. This is my house. This is yes. this is how we do this things here. This is how we do things here. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. you
2: can go visit them at their house without yeah, the dog. Without the dog.
1: That's true. And also, I would say, like, in their house, like... Whatever goes goes. You're in their home. This is how it is with my parents and and their grandchildren. Is my you know sister-in-law obviously has like certain things. Please don't do this. Please don't do that. Please. And my mom just like straight up said like, when they're over, we're going to do whatever we want.
0: Yes, it's just that's just Which that's just what's going to happen. Great for the kids. My mother yes. used to give my kids Doritos and Coke for lunch,
3: right? And, exactly. But like
0: they loved it. Were they monsters right. for a couple of days when they came home <laughs> right. after being with her? Yes, but right. you
2: know. That's- also, this dog's relationship with your father isn't going to ruin this dog. I hate to tell right. you. Right. The, yeah. And also, I don't know how upset the dog is or isn't. We have your description about, look, the dog is a puppy. So they, they don't have a set behavior yet anyway. So, and the dog obviously isn't getting a ton of socialization because of COVID. It's just starting to get some. So part of it is the dog finding its own way. And mm-hmm. part of it might be what you're projecting onto the dog. And Honestly, the story think- of the dog's life is the story you were told. We don't really know what happened to the dog. I'm sure the dog is skittish. I'm sure there's all kinds of things going on with the dog. And if you can see the dog getting terrified or aggressive or recoiling, then that's a thing for sure. But it's how uh, one afternoon with your father shouldn't undo all of the work that you're doing with this dog. Right.
1: And honestly, maybe more exposure to your father in controlled settings to where the dog is on your lap, or you're all on the floor, dogs kind of like that, um, is probably just going to be better for the dog in any – I mean, the more exposure to your father, the more he's not going to feel like he's a threat.
2: Yeah. Right. But And obviously,
1: treats are a big thing, too.
2: And don't make – but don't make the dog a more afraid dog.
1: No. Right.
2: Yeah. No. Right.
1: No, because then you're right. That will become a, a major issue. For it's the like dogs, a self fulfilling
2: right? yeah. prophecy for right. this dog. He's right. scared, exactly. so we have to do this. Well, right. maybe he's not that scared. Maybe he's scared, but he's resilient. Right. Let's yeah. see. He's just and then a puppy. keep
1: him in keep him in training and keep as, him as much and, and
2: also crate him when people are in the house. He should get used to that anyway. Yeah. And not because I think it's wonderful to keep a dog in a crate, but <laughs> right. when your parent, they do as Brian was saying. They like their little spaces. You can bring him out. You should be able to bring him out and put him back in because he should be able to do that when you're not home too. He should like it in there. Right. And so if you need to put him away while your parents are there, you could have the initial thing and then put him in his safe space kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Cynthia, we have to award a gift today, which
1: I'm so excited.
2: It happens to be a copy of Good Company. God bless, oh. uh, as it
1: should be. And
2: uh, we're going to give away a copy of Good Company, and and then we have to read our cliffhanger. And you can either stay or go for the cliffhanger. That is entirely I'm, up I'm to staying. you. I'm
1: staying. Thank you, Cynthia. So, Conan O'Brien
2: left when he was on. I don't know if you heard that. Well, he He's did? A little, he's, he's very busy. He's a little well, busier than I you're am. You're very busy too. But, you know, well, he, he left yeah. when he was on. He didn't stay for the cliffhanger. So, you know. That's true. I'm not saying that you can tell the measure of a man that way. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, you know. Yeah. He didn't
1: stay. Either You're did. Saying. by the way, and this, <laughs> you can come see about me, Lennon Parham, because you didn't stay either. yeah.
0: yeah. None. But really in fantasy, we always tell <laughs> not people that anyone's that it, keeping
1: track.
2: We no, not, not that we're us? keeping track. And also Ron
1: <laughs> no. and I were gave her the wrong information but, about the entire thing. That was a what poor thing.
2: <laughs> we also tell but we honestly don't mind if people leave us stay. It's entirely of not. up to we're them. Kidding. But I, I, was just just to, Conan I just wanted to I just wanted to shout dig. out Lennon. Yeah, I yeah. wanted yeah. to cone a little dig.
1: Um, um all right, Tia. All right. So Cynthia, are we giving this to guitars? Are we giving this to uh, young and doesn't want to, you know, isn't sure about breaking up, or are we giving this to uh, the owners of the dog who with the dad?
0: I mean, I, I feel like the guitar guy needs to get something in the mail to feel loved, but I also feel like Jay, number one, needs good company. We're sending <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone a
2: copy of this oh, book good. today.
1: That's great. That's perfect. That's that. what we're doing,
2: because yeah. everyone who re- who wrote in today, for, I think everyone should read this book. But I truly believe, particularly the first two questions, yeah, could really use. A, and also, it's such a the read is such a pleasure. So I don't want it to sound like it's homework. This is lucky you. But I just think that you'll both relate to some thread in this book, and yeah. that it will give you pause about what you're going on. And uh, we should actually send the first guy the nest. I was going to say he really needs yeah. the nest. Okay. Yeah, true. we're going to send. He's going to get duo. both. He's going to get the yes, duo. Yes. <laughs> the Cynthia uh, that's mini right. duo. That's <laughs> right. He'll get the duo. The two pack, whether two-pack. he likes it or not. He's getting, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he's getting the two pack, and then I wanted to report back. Exactly. Uh, well, we could send him the nest and her good company. I think we'll yeah. send him, him oh, so a two many pack. Yeah. Him a two pack.
1: The two pack. The two
2: pack. Um, all right, I'm going to read out cliffhanger, but we cannot thank you enough for joining us. Honestly. The nest yes. is out in paperback now. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For a long time, yeah. we'll add that oh, to our a new, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a new edition yeah. though. isn't Yeah, there? yeah, but
0: whatever. It's in paperback. It depends on where you buy it, but.
2: 27 languages it was it was uh 27 countries is that right i
1: still see i mean it's been i guess about a little less than a year since i've been in an airport but it's still front and center oh cool in all those bookshelves great brilliant
2: uh dear Rowana,
1: that's what it says here (laughs) are they are they kidding like Joanna.
2: I like O A N N A. Rowanna.
1: Rowanna.
2: Rowanna. Dear Rowanna. Or maybe it's Rowanna. <laughs> yeah. Brian. Spelled correctly. An esteemed guest. Period.
1: Me. No yeah. comma. Period. Wow.
2: My very good friend Sterling. And I met through my ex-boyfriend, Easton, who cheated on me with Sterling. Eastern? Easton.
1: E-A-S-T-O-N. Sterling and Easton.
2: Sterling and Easton. I'm sure these are their real names. Yeah. Uh, Who cheated on me with Sterling. Okay. Sterling is the ex-boyfriend of, uh, Easton is the ex-boyfriend of the letter writer. And he cheated on him with Sterling. Got it. Who happens to be good friends with our letter writer now. Okay. When does that happen, that you become friends with the mistress? Right. It's a long and complicated story involving sex, drugs, an open relationship, and backstabbing. But one thing let let to another. Yes. And both Sterling and I realized Easton was manipulative and emotionally abusive, and out of that grew a friendship. That's when that happens.
1: Right. <laughs> when the two get... Exactly. When,
2: yeah. When they're both mad.
1: Yep. Two against when there's, one. Yeah, when there's a, a mm-hmm. common enemy. Yeah. That's right.
2: After I broke up with Easton, Sterling and I had a moment in his apartment where we made out, but never did much more than that. I felt awkward and weird about it, and we never attempted anything sexual between us again. It has been over two years since I've broken up with Easton, and since then, I had a much Healthier and stable relationship with my third boyfriend. We did break up eventually, but for much more amicable reasons. That being said, Sterling has been with me for all of it, especially at my lowest moments. And I have always been supportive with him when he's been down. We've gone clubbing and partying pre COVID and even organized very small, four people total dinner parties within the past two months. However, on one of our long walks one early fall evening, Sterling admitted to having a crush on me, and he said he was disappointed with the circumstances under which we met and that perhaps it would have ended up differently. I was quite gentle with him and his feelings, having told one of my best straight friends the same thing a few years ago, and told him my, which is not at all the same thing, Excuse me, just for the record. That's
1: right. That is very And then different. I
2: told, yeah, and I, then I told my favorite dog I was in love with him, <laughs> and he didn't respond. And, and told him I understood his struggle, but I did not feel the same way about him. He said that perhaps he needed time to spend away from each other. So we did. A week or two later, we met up for dinner. And after the dinner, he said he felt better, and he didn't ever crush on me anymore. Magic pill.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
2: Now we get to New Year's Eve. We have our same group of four total people over. We, over we've been having dinner parties. I mean, really. Dis- and also, if you're going to write an epistolary poem, do one proofread on it, <laughs> would you? Why do I, right. How did I become a kindergarten teacher with a red pen? <laughs> a red wax pencil. Right. One of those four is my childhood best friend, Caldwell who is also queer, listen to these names, and who I mean, has become like- good friends with Sterling. Where's Tiffany? I hope she's making yeah, really like a this appearance. is like the days of our yeah. lives.
1: Absolutely. This is like dramatic Newport. This
2: is either that or Canada. Yeah. Who is also queer and who has become good friends with Sterling as well. Later that evening, Caldwell shared, shared with me that Sterling still has a huge crush on me and doesn't know what to do that Sterling just seems to keep torturing himself every time he and I hang out one-on-one. And then this year, Caldwell told me that Sterling wanted to hang out with him, so they planned to meet up Thursday. On Thursday morning, I texted Sterling, asking him what he was doing that evening, wondering if he wanted to hang out and cook, completely forgetting that that he had planned something with Caldwell. Sterling replied enthusiastically. Afterwards, I asked Caldwell if he was free. That maybe I could cook for him too. Caldwell said he was free because Sterling actually had to postpone their plans to hang out. That's when I asked when the plans were postponed. We compared text messages. Sterling texted Caldwell to postpone their meeting 10 minutes after I texted Sterling to hang out the same evening. Now, perhaps it's merely a coincidence, but Sterling had used work as an excuse for not hanging out with Caldwell. And Sterling specifically told me he was free after work to chill. My question is <laughs>
1: <laughs> This is yeah. Gossip Girl,
2: capital D. I mean really. Do I confront Sterling and tell him I know how he feels? Do choose. Do I choose? Do choose to stop hanging out with him so often and give him time to sort himself out and not tell him why I'm suddenly very busy? Or or do I ignore his feelings and continue to hang out with him knowing I am torturing him? Thank you so much, Rory.
1: I'm gonna order a steak and a vodka for the, when we answer this question.
2: Canada and order and order a Canadian flag and some maple sugar candy yeah. for me.
1: Absolutely, some Canadian bacon. Yeah, because that's it. what
2: this is. I'm gonna wear my red lumberjack shirt and I'm Absolutely. gonna yeah. I'm
1: gonna bring out my this cigarette holder.
2: This is a total Canadian romance. I've never yeah, even could pin is. it as anything north other than north of the border. Yeah,
1: north of the border this problems. North
2: of the border exactly. Not right. reach. These are not reach problems these are north no, of the border yeah. problems.
1: north of the border yeah. problems
2: okay join Patreon us at patreon.com
1: that's right raw yep. ramen's coming and of course go back and we mentioned it at the beginning but go back and listen to our oscar recap uh which you know came out the day before the uh, after the oscars someone just just yesterday
2: yeah so there yeah. we are there it is. cynthia continued success is it Guys, at Cynthia D so Sweeney much.
1: or w- what's your it's Instagram It's at handle? Cynthia
0: D Sweeney on Instagram. D yes.
1: Sweeney, there. It how, is. Long how
0: long are
2: we going to have to wait for your next book? Ugh,
1: Ronna, that is absolutely an abusive question.
2: <laughs> it is worse it than <laughs> it's worse it really than a really present. It's like right you even, it really It's that is. thing when
1: right when you finish a project, they're like, "So what's next?" It's yeah. like, well, that's I how breathe? much
2: I <laughs> loved this book. Well, <laughs> that's how much I loved. I appreciate your
0: love and support, and um you know, everybody needs a paycheck, so hopefully sooner rather than later. Well, and you know what I'll
1: do? I'll go ahead and send over the recordings I've made for my uh, story, if you might <laughs> be draw a biography. Oh, you're Answer looking, Brian is looking
0: for a ghostwriter, that's true. I need, right.
2: I need Rory so. to get in touch <laughs> okay. ASAP. And I will, I will only say this because you brought up your own birth date. But your first best instant bestseller was published when you were fifty-five. That was the first true novel that you wrote. That is wow. right. And this is only your second novel, number Remarkable. two. How so, many? How many can she fit in before she dies? Well, I don't at
1: know. this point, you're two for two, and a <laughs> lot of authors, like Fitzgerald, wasn't two for two.
2: If I were you, I'd probably never write another one. It sounds like a lot of hard work. Believe me, <laughs> I wish. But I just to... think that is to... a really astonishing achievement, and it's no inspiring kidding. as can be. Completely. And so, I mean, Thank you. when I think of it as Flora, who's about 48 in this book, right, and we don't know where we leave her or where she's headed, right. But when she says she, and who knows if it's true or if it isn't true, but she wants to go to New York and reconnect mm-hmm. with her, with the muse, shall mm-hmm. we say. Mm-hmm. And that happens. Yeah. It happens for people. You really just have to, it's again, what we've been talking about for the last seven hours, which is knowing what you want and it doesn't matter how old you are. If you know what you want. No, it's really really inspiring and beautiful.
0: Yeah. It's, it's important not to think that, um, you know, the choices that you have made have limited your life to a point that you can't, um, do something new.
2: You also have to be a pretty good writer. I'm just going to throw that out there.
1: Yeah. yeah, it doesn't yeah. hurt that she's a brilliant. Yeah, that, that there
2: is also it's one like other that ingredient, Morrison quote. which is know what you're actually good at and what you're <laughs> not, no matter yeah. what you want. Yeah,
1: Brand Lebowitz said when Tony Morrison said to write your story, she goes, "I can assure you, she didn't mean you."
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she no, did Fran. mean Cynthia. She did yeah. mean yeah. She meant Cynthia. Cynthia a she didn't mean
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.